to the book of Daniel, chapter number three. I am going to jump in, dive in uh, the word of God this morning and uh, probably preach to you for about 20 minutes is all. Somebody started clock watch. Sister Naomi, you go. <laughs> I want to preach to you on the subject this morning of there will always be. There will always be. Chapter number three. The book of Daniel, we know this story, but I want to read it together. Um, maybe I should have started the, clock watch, uh, the stopwatch after the reading of the word because we have several scriptures to read. We may skip several for the sake of time. It says in verse number one, I'm going to read out of the King, New King James this morning. It's just a little easier to read. How many of you all know that Daniel was uh, one of the only books written in uh, Aramaic? Uh, it was a different. It wasn't Hebrew and it wasn't Greek. It was a different, and so some of the uh, translation gets a little wordy. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was sixty cubits and its width was six cubits. Honestly, that's not important to me today because I don't care what idols, how big they are, they don't matter. Somebody say Amen. amen. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, and the king Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, administrators, governors, counselors, treasurers, and judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come and dedicate the image which the king had set up. I'm going to skip on down for the sake of time. Verse number four, it says, Then the herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, O nations, and languages... At the time you hear the psalteries in the symphony, I'm sorry, I skipped the line. At the sound you hear the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the lyre, as Eli likes to call it, uh, and uh, the psaltery, and in the symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whosoever does not fall down and worship will be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Um, skipping on down to verse number 8. And therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward to accuse the Jews. And they spoke to the king and said, O king, live forever. And they, they charmed the king's ear. Verse number 12, for the sake of time, there are certain Jews who, have set, who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods nor worship the golden image that you have set up. Next verse says that his, that his rage and fury was lifted. Going down with me to verse number 15, it says, Now he was, he was basically hollering at him. He said, Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, all the other instruments, and you fall down and worship the image of which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you will be cast immediately into the midst of the fiery furnace. And, and who is the God 
who will deliver you from my hands. Right there is an important phrase that I want you to just take a hold of this morning. He's saying to them, when the enemy, when the enemy comes at you and when the, when the one standing before you comes at you and he says, who is the God? He was acting as though he was the most powerful thing in the universe. And he was saying, who is the God that will deliver you from my hands? And then Shadrach, verse number 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. I actually like the King James Version on that one line so much better because it says, they said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. We don't need to be careful with what we're about to say. They said, O King, we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Um, I'm sorry, he says, we, we're not careful. I skipped a little bit. And that, uh, and that if this is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Look at your neighbor and say, he's able to deliver us. From the fiery burning furnace. And he will deliver us. Look at him and say, he will deliver us. From your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known. I wish somebody would get a, that kind of attitude in the house today. Let it be known. To you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was really full of fury, and the expression of his face changed. And he told, the, he told his men, heat up the furnace seven times more than usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men to gather up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse number 22, Therefore, because the king's command was so urgent and the fire exceedingly hot, the flames of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men were bound. They, they, they were bound. They fell down in the fiery furnace. And then Nebuchadnezzar, in verse number 24, was astonished, and he rose with haste and spoke, saying to his counselors did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire and they answered him and said king true verse number 25 look he answered i see a fourth i see four men loose walking around in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth man is like the son of god amen hallelujah i get excited reading about these stories then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the fiery burning fire, uh, furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come, how, come now, come here. Verse number 27, And the satraps, administrators, governors, king's council gathered together, and they saw these men on whose the body of the fire had no power, and the hairs of their heads was not singed, nor was their garments affected, nor was the smell of the fire even on them. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel to deliver his servants, who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's words and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any gods except for their own. Therefore, I make a decree that by any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces and their house shall be made as the dunghill, says the, new, says the King James. Because there is no other God who can deliver like the God of the Bible. Amen? Let us pray today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth in it. We thank you that there's nothing but truth in it. 
And Lord, we thank you that today it will ring true to us. God, it will find a pathway to our hearts. Be hidden there, Lord, that we might not sin against thee. Write it, etch it. Write it down. Make it plain on the tablets of our heart today. We ask you. Lord, I pray for the anointing. Lord, I just pray that it would drip off of my mouth, God, and touch the heart of the believer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to preach to you for a few more moments this morning out of the Word of God in this in this story about the three Hebrew children. On, this, on the subject, there will always be. There's There's some key points in this story this morning. How much time do I have? How much time? Come on, you got to do math. Okay, I got 13 minutes. Amen. There there listen, there will always be ungodly leaders. There will always be, okay? That's what we're talking about. The first thing that I need everybody to understand in the house this morning is that there will always be ungodly leaders. That's just the truth. That's just the nature. You need to understand that. Sometimes we, I feel like we want to live in a world that is perfect and we think that if we do this, 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 and this and we get our house in order and we get our, our church in order and we pay tithe and we work this way and we do that and we're just we're living uh, according to godliness and we are doing everything the right way that somehow the, that the world will come into perfection. But I've come to tell you that we live in a fallen world and so, so the first thing that we need to know today is that there will always be ungodly leaders no matter what the platform presidents governors professors teachers bosses managers and even yes preachers there will always be ungodly leaders Today I want to take the time while we're talking about what there will always be and we're talking about ungodly leaders that I make a warning to all the leaders that are in the house because there is one characteristic of an ungodly leader. There's only one characteristic. One thing uh, defines what an ungodly leader is and that is someone who leads without God. By its definition, an ungodly leader is just someone who is leading apart from God because they are ungodly. And we see that throughout. That's why I said, yes, they can even be in the church. Because they lead without God. And let me, let me take it to you a, a little bit, make it a little bit reinforced a little bit more this morning. Not only do they lead without God, but they lead without absolute dependence upon God. If we are going to be godly leaders, the reverse of what an ungodly leader is, if we are going to be godly leaders, I don't know about you, but I want to be not only a godly leader as pastor, but I want to be a godly leader as father. I want to be a godly leader among my peers. I want to be a leader uh, that is godly in everything that I do, even to those who are watching me from a distance. I want to be a leader that is pointing people in the way of Christ. Can anybody say amen to that this morning? I wonder if I'm alone or if I'm with the right group of people today. There are warnings that I must tell you then today if there will always be ungodly leaders then I don't want to be named among that group. I want to be a godly leader. And here's the thing that you need to know. Without the absolute dependence on God we become ungodly leaders. And without God a leader is selfish. A leader is unwise. A leader is greedy. And a leader has a skewed vision these are these are these are the symptoms of an ungodly leader selfishness lack of wisdom greed and a skewed vision the second thing that i want to talk to you about is there will always be a golden image 
There will always be, any time a leader is acting apart from God, a golden image soon follows. I need you to understand that. At any time, and and I want to go ahead and bring it home. Now, we know that there have been plenty of presidents that were ungodly. We know there's plenty of politicians that are ungodly. Matter of fact, I feel like you'd be hard-pressed to find one that would be really fit the classification that we're talking about today as godly. Because that would require an absolute dependence upon God. But rather than preach about the world today, can I go ahead and preach about the church? Because I believe that we, this message needs to be taught and preached to pastors and teachers and preachers and evangelists and prophets and all the, all the fivefold ministry and every leader within the church. Because the, the main thing that we need to understand is any time that a leader is acting apart from God, A golden image soon follows. There will always be golden images because there will always be ungodly leaders. Skewed vision leads to skewed outcomes. If you're making notes today, you need to write that down. Skewed vision leads to skewed outcomes, leads to skewed or, or damaged fruit. We were talking about the four the four symptoms of an ungodly leader being skewed vision greediness, uh, lack of wisdom, and selfishness. There's a golden image that is created because skewed vision leads to skewed outcomes. False doctrine is born out of skewed vision. False doctrine is born out of skewed vision. Spiritual idols are made manifest by the following skewed visions. Mormonism. I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and offend everyone today while I'm up here. Is that all right? Um, uh, Mormonism was born out of a skewed vision. Out of someone who I believe probably at one point had a right intention and was following God and somewhere got apart from God in their leadership. Jehovah's Witness. Pharisees. Pharisaical. They were following God, but they began to add to the laws of God because they thought that they needed to become more holy because they got into a place where they began to lead with their own perspective, not leaning upon God, but making themselves more righteous in the eyes of men. Let me let me go into a different platform while I'm on, while I'm jumping on everybody this morning. And just say it like this, that uh, spiritual idols are made manifest by the, this skewed vision. Uh, the, the skewed vision of inclusion. The world and the church alike. I'm preaching, I, I know I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not fired up yet. See, that's coming. But you all get with me when I get fired up. But what I'm saying right now is the stuff that you need to be really preaching on. You see, the, the spiritual idols are manifest out of, the, out of the lie from the pits of hell called inclusion. I've come to tell you that this, and this is not popular, but I'm going to go ahead and say it, that if you are a Christian, God has called you to come out and be ye separate from the world. It's not, it's, and, and I'm not a hater this morning. He called us to love the, the people of the world. He called us to love every tribe and every nation, that we are to love the people of God, and we're loved to even to love the sinners and pray for them that they would come in. But God is not a God of inclusion. He is a jealous God. He is a God that requires things to be done his way and i'm telling you that there that skewed the skewed vision of inclusion has caused many churches to become 
astray, to be led astray today. I'm telling you that the homosexual agenda that is rampant in the church and all across the church today is made that way because of a skewed vision. It's because of a leader that got apart from God. And they started seeing things through man's knowledge and through man's wisdom instead of God's wisdom. And then they found themselves in a place where they were embracing homosexuality even though God says it's an abomination. He says it's a sin. They start embracing that for the sake of inclusion. Let me go ahead while I'm here today and just tell you that this life from the hell, from hell is also uh, from a skewed vision and that is Christian drinking. I just feel like I need to go ahead and say it again. I preached on it for about three weeks a while back, and, uh, and, and, and I just didn't feel like I got it all out. But right now we live in a system where so many churches are, are battling even at the upper levels where they're deciding, uh, they're deciding how they need to interpret the Word of God. And if they need, for the sake of inclusion, to begin to allow drinking in a, among, their, among their bylaws and doctrines. And I've come to tell you today that God has called you. I don't need to re-preach the message, but if you're going to be a king and a leader, God said that you need to abstain from drinking. I just want to put it very blunt. That way I'm not dancing around it. If, if you drink, here's what happens. I used to say this. I got to go ahead and testify. I used to, I was a, I was a, I've always been a pretty honest guy. So I used to tell people I drink not so, not, how do I say this? I need, I haven't quoted in a long time. I used to drink so that I'd have an excuse to do the bad decisions that were already in my heart. That, that was the truth. My heart was deceitfully wicked and evil. And drinking was my excuse to be able to act on those things and say, oh, it was the alcohol, it was the booze. You see, I wanted my inhibitions to go to the wind anyway, but drinking gave me the excuse that I could talk about it later and say, oh, that wasn't me. But the truth is, what's in your heart comes out when you're on spirits. That's a, that is a skewed vision from a leader who leads apart from God. I'm going to move on. Skewed vision. Next thing, if you're writing it down, greed leads to need. The spirit of greed will leave many people serving the golden idol, the golden image of mammon. I said a, a leader apart from God is lack of vision. Our skewed vision, lack of wisdom, greed, and selfishness. The spirit of greed leaves many people with the idol of serving mammon. I have met people who make six figures, and it's never enough. I've met people who have all the money that they, they go up and they go down. Let me, let me just not, not even say I've met people. I have lived a lifestyle where I've made six figures and we couldn't make the bills each month. How do you do that? Well, because greed leads to need. Let me move on for the sake of time. The lack of wisdom leads to loads of grief. The lack of wisdom leads to loads of grief. The moment we leave the wisdom of God, the enemy begins to pile up the backlash. 
Every decision that you make, I I need to tell somebody this. Every decision that you make needs to be founded on prayer and founded on your beliefs in God. It needs to be founded on the the doctrines and principles that you know to be true and upheld in the Word of God. I need to help somebody today because you go through your life and sometimes you just make a decision and it's spur of the moment or it's hasty and it's not a decision that's based and founded on the Scripture. I know I'm not I'm not I'm not yelling at you today. I just need you to hear this. This is this is good stuff that you need to hear because there's always going to be this in the in the house of God. There's always going to be ungodly leaders. There's always going to be a golden image, and that golden image comes when we get apart from God and we start looking at in other directions for for our spiritual needs to be met. When God is saying that I'm the only thing that you need, I'm the only one that you need. The lack of wisdom will lead you into a place where there's loads of grief. You'll begin to make decisions that you think are wise because it seems wise to you. And men did what they wanted in the times before the flood. They were acting in their own wisdom. But God is saying that that will heap up on you today all kinds of grief. One, Listen, I want to say this and I'm moving on. One wrong decision can lead to a lifetime of grief. One wrong decision, lifetime of grief. One time, one time that you go take that drink. One time that you go ahead and stick the needle in your arm. One time that you go ahead and lay with the woman. One time that you give in to that lust. One time can lead to a lifetime of problems. Because we're acting apart from the wisdom of God. Moving on. Selfish leaders don't lead anything. Selfish leaders don't lead to anything. Selfish leaders don't lead, they leave. Selfish leaders don't lead, they leave. A selfish selfishness is a product, and this is also good. I, I know I'm teaching today, but you need to get this. Selfishness is a product of pride, arrogance, and entitlement. This type of person soon turns around and finds themselves alone. They think they're a leader. I don't know who I'm helping today, but you think you're a leader. But if you lead in selfishness where you're only leading for selfish gain, you're not a leader of the people with the people. You're, you're just leading something that you think to be best. You're leading based on your own selfish ambitions and you're leading based on your own selfishness. You will soon find yourself turned around looking and you don't have anybody following you because you were never a leader at all. Selfish leaders don't lead to anything. They leave. They leave behind the ones that they're supposed to be leading. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm going to move on. So we said there will always be ungodly leaders. There will always be golden images. Third thing, there will always be a line in the sand. If there are ungodly leaders and there are golden images, there will always be a line to be drawn in the sand. The, the Christian walk is marked by many crossroads. The good news is that God is very clear. I, I, I know we live in a world that wouldn't tell you that God is very clear. Right now I'm getting ready to start preaching. You guys are going to get with me a little bit more. The, 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 we live in a society that says that God is not very clear, but He's a very clear God. Everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness is right here in the Scripture, laid out in the black and white for us to see. He said that sin is sin, and it separates you from God, and that holiness is 
God's standard for living. And as long as you keep passing the test, I've come to tell you that another test is coming your way. Why? Because there will always be a crossroads. There will always be a line in the sand. There will always be an ungodly leader. There will always be someone pushing you in the wrong direction. There will always be an idol set up in front of you. And when you pass that test, another test is coming. There's going to be another line to be drawn in the sand because God is testing you. And guess what? If you don't pass the test, the same test is coming. Until you get it right, God is going to keep bringing you to it. But but I've come to tell you today that He is very clear on what He wants. And He's very clear on who He is. And He's very clear on how we should be. The thing is, we don't need to be ungodly. We need to be godly. And we need to know that there's always going to be a line in the sand. I've met with Christians that say, I'm tired of the fight. We'll get used to it, honey, because He told you to put on the whole armor of God. And having done all to stand, stand therefore with your loins girt about with truth so that you'll know that you've got the truth inside of you. He said put on the helmet of salvation so that you know that you your mind is right before God. And he said take up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God so that you can tell others that you know in whom you trust. You know what you stand upon. He said having done all to stand, stand. The church is in dire need of some women and men to get some backbone about their belief system and say if there's a line in the sand, if there's an idol, if there's something that is trying to pull me away, if there's always going to be ungodliness and there's always going to be an idol, then I'm always going to be on this side of the line saying this is the way that God has called me to be. The church needs some people. Listen, there, we've, had, we've had enough time of compromise. We've had enough kind. Uh, I, I've heard enough people say, I don't know if you should say that from the pulpit. I've heard, him, I've heard so many times, uh, you don't want to offend anybody. I, I've heard preachers who preach the word of God and then somebody comes to them and questions them about how they delivered something and they started thinking and questioning, should I have worded it differently? Should I have said it some other way? Should I have made it more politically correct? Should I have done this? Should I have done that? And I'm telling you, that's a lie from hell. God said, what, let, the, let God be the truth and every man a liar. I'm telling you today that we need to have a line in the sand and we don't need to tiptoe on it. We need to get on our side and say ask for me in my house we will serve the Lord you don't want to offend anybody you don't want to say that from the pulpit you won't want to do this we're living in a time every time we back off of what we should say we give the enemy a little bit more space to do what he needs to do every time that you every time that you take a breath when an, when a when a constrictor snake is on you every time that you release air that thing gets a little bit tighter and every time we back off of the word of God and quit saying what the word of God says it's like we're letting out air and the enemy is squeezing in and constricting in on the church and before you know it, we won't be able to say the name of Jesus for fear of offense. I'm going to quote my friend, my, 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 one of my favorite preachers, Samuel Rodriguez. He said, the gospel is truth and love. Truth and love. If you're just love, you're a hippie, not a Christian. Listen, Jesus said it like this. If they, don't, if they hate you, marvel not, because they hated me first. What Jesus said was controversial. What Jesus said was offensive. 
Every time he came in contact with a bunch of religious folks and Pharisees and Sadducees, every time he came in contact with them, he was offending them right and left because the truth is offensive. And, I, and not, even, I, not even all the offense that he was bringing to the, to the world, he was bringing into the church. And the church, for fear of offending other church folks, is afraid to say what needs to be said. But I've come to tell you today that I'm not afraid to say what needs to be said. If we are an 80-person church for the rest of our existence, but we speak truth, truth and we speak truth in love and we show people the way to Jesus and we've got the Holy Spirit ungrieved working throughout our services, then so be it. Let it be so. I don't care. We're not going to back off of this Holy Ghost thing. We're not going to back off of this thing that is truth. We're not going to back away from calling sin, sin. We're going to do what God has called us to do. There will always be a line in the sand. And I wish the church would stand and, and stand up and be the church and begin to s- declare, we believe the truth. Amen. You may have a golden idol. You may have an ungodly leader. You may have an ungodly boss. You may have an ungodly people around you that are in leadership over you. But you have to stand and say, there's a line that I've drawn and I will not cross it. Like the three Hebrew children, they, they drew a line. They said, uh-uh, we're not going to bow down. We bow our knee to Jesus. We bow our knee to God, and we won't bow our knee to anyone else. We've, we will declare that if God will uh, deliver us, then let it be so. But even if he does not, let it be known to you today that we will not bow down to your nonsense. And I wish the church would get in a place like that. But here's the thing. If we would get in a place like that, we might just get thrown into the fire. Let me, I'm going to say it again just so it settles in the right way. If the church would stand up like the three Hebrew children, we might just get thrown into the fire. I don't know about you, but I, I wouldn't mind being a church that's on fire. I wouldn't mind being the church that was thrown into the fire. Even if it meant that we were ridiculed and persecuted from the outside world. If every time we came into the house of God, we threw ourselves into the fire because we stood for truth. Because out and about when we were talking, every conversation that we had was godliness. Every conversation that we have revolved around Jesus. We weren't widely accepted by the world. But my goodness, every time we, got, every time we stood for God, we got thrown into fire because there's always this. Listen, there will always be be an ungodly leader there will always be a golden image there will always be a line in the sand but i've come to tell you there will always be an extra man in the fire there will always be another man that's there with you in the fire their fourth man looking walking around looking as the image of the son of god he will leave you cleaner than you've ever been he'll leave you more purified than you've ever been that fire that you get thrown into just may break the chains off of you that fire you get thrown into just might break the chains chains off of all those around you the fire may burn your chains it may show off your God I've come to tell you this this morning that the fire will leave you cleaner than you've ever been and it'll purify you more pure than gold but you'll be tried by the fire but there'll always be an extra man there will always be an extra man in the fire my goodness when you go through the fire that's when people see Jesus walking around with you When you get in the fire, you see, the thing is, we always know we got Jesus. I walk around and know I've got Jesus. But when I get in the fire, everyone knows I got Jesus. Everyone can see it. 
everyone can see not only him and me, but they can see him. Maybe not, not so much of me anymore. You, I, I have it in my mind that when Nebuchadnezzar looked down there, he was saying, he, he, he even said it, if you read, you've got to read between the lines of the scripture. But he said, when I look in that fire, he said, did I not throw three in there? And they said, yeah, true, O king, you threw three. He said, well, I see four walking around. And then he said, you know what? His attention all of a sudden left Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It, it left the ones, the three that he threw, and he didn't worry about them anymore because he said, now all of a sudden I look down there and there's a fourth man in the fire, and now I'm not going to pay attention to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but the one that I see in the fire right now looks like the Son of God to me. All of a sudden his eyes were fixed on Jesus. They had never been fixed on Jesus before, but when we go through the fire, all of a sudden our enemies, our foes, our friends, everybody around us, their eyes become fixed on Jesus. He's the extra man. He's the extra man. I've come to tell you this morning that Jesus is the extra man in the fire. There will always be ungodly leaders. Just, you just get ready for it. There will always be ungodly leaders. There will always be a golden image. There will always be a line in the sand. And there will always be another man in the fire with you when you go through the fire. He was the extra man in the pillar of fire uh, by day for the children of Israel. He was the extra fire that consumed the offering that Elijah prayed for against the prophet of Asherah and Baal. He was the extra man in the fire with the three Hebrew children that we're talking about today. And he's the extra man in the fire in the upper room when they had cloven tongues of fire set upon them. He's the same extra man. He was the sender of the Holy Ghost then and he's the sender of the Holy Ghost fire now. I've come to tell you that right now today Jesus is the extra man in the fire. But the problem is we got to start acting like the church again so that we can get ourselves thrown into to the fire again. The reason that we're not living as a church on fire is because we're not acting like the church of Jesus Christ. When we stand up and begin to stand for something and say that I've drawn my line in the sand and I'm going to stand on the side of holiness, even when it doesn't look good to the world, even when it doesn't look good to the rest of the church, I'm still going to believe in holiness. Even when my family comes against me, I'm still going to believe in holiness. Even when the enemy comes up against me, I'm still going to live in holiness. Even when temptation comes, I'm going to live in holiness because I'm looking for myself to get thrown in the fire because I know when I get thrown in the fire, they're going to see Jesus. Stand to your feet this morning. They're going to see Jesus. I'm not concerned with them seeing Jesus in me, Brother Dave. I just want them to see Jesus. You see, we've, we've gone, this is the, the church of the 2000s. The millennium church says, let them see Jesus in you. Let them see Jesus in you. I don't want them to see Jesus in me. I just want them to see Jesus. I don't need them to see any part of me. I don't want them to see me. I don't want them to look, have to look through me to see Jesus. I don't even want to have Jesus' face on my body. I want them to see just Jesus. They don't need to see me. All they need to see is me being thrown in the fire, and then all of a sudden, all they see is the man in the image and the likeness of God. God, the one that was there at the foundation, the one that was there as the pillar of fire, the one that was there for the three Hebrew children, that fire that fell on Pentecost, he was the cinder of the fire. He said, it's expedient that I go, because if I don't go, the Holy Ghost fire can't come. But if I go, I'll send a comforter to you. So he's the man, he's the extra one that sent the fire, and he wants to send it on to church today. But we've got to understand that there will always be ungodly leaders. There will always be golden calves. There will always be lines in the sand. But there will always be 
an extra man in the fire. And his name is Jesus. Lift up your hands in this place today. <laughs> Lift up your hands in this place today and say, God, I submit myself to the fire. Hallelujah. Look at, look at me. I, we're, we're, I, I, got us, I, got, I got in too big of a hurry. Look at me before you even start praying right now. <laughs> the only way we get thrown in the fire is to live holiness. That's it. I'm going to say something that might be a little bit of broad statement. It might even be an overstatement, but I don't know how else to word it. And I'm not really worried about wording. But we live in a time when there's threats of persecution to the church. But there's not a lot of real, in the United States, not a lot of real persecution against the church. You might think that there is, but that's really just hearsay. There's not a lot of persecution against the church right now. But if the church in this day and time would stand up and be holy again, the persecution would come. The reason that there's not a real manifestation of persecution against the church is because we're a watered-down, lukewarm church. But if we got holy again, if we stood on this side of the line again, there would inevitably be persecution that would come. We would inevitably be thrown into a place where we would have to be thrown in the fire. And I just believe, maybe I'm prophesying this morning, but I just believe that in these coming days, the reason that the enemy is going to persecute the church, yes, prophecy has to unfold. But the reason that he is going to, that that game is going to be ramped up and he's going to prosecute the church is because the church is going to begin to look more holy than it has in years. And that we're going to get, we're going to get a hold of God and we're going to want God, Jesus, in everything that we do and nothing apart from Him. And we're going to begin to desire the things of God and there's going to be a clear and defined line drawn in the sand and there will be national persecution of the church, but it'll be because we will be thrown in the fire and when it happens, what the enemy meant for harm, God's going to turn around for good because when the fire comes, then the miracles come. The church, I believe we're in a time when the church doesn't see the miracles we used to because we don't need them. We've got every substitute. But as we draw near to God, as we draw near to holiness, I believe we will be thrown in the fire. And when we get thrown in the fire, they're going to see Jesus. And the world's going to see it. And they're going to see the fire of God. And they're going to see Jesus in the fire. And they're not going to see you. And they're not going to see me. They're just going to pay attention to the fourth man. They're just going to pay attention to the one in the fire. And they're going to turn to him. And I believe there will be a last day's outpouring. A last day's awakening. By a church that's on fire. But the only way we get on fire. Is by holiness. By standing for God. Now lift your hands in the air. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare that we will be holy before you. God, whatever it is that has separated us from you, whatever lukewarm way we've been living, God, I declare that those days are over. God, we are drawing a line in the sand as Joshua did. We are declaring that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, we are going to trust you. And God, we know that by making a stand, by planting our feet, by digging our heels in, God, we are inviting the enemy 
enemy to come and buffet at us. But God, we declare strongly and faithfully that we will serve you and nobody else. We will not bow down to idols. We will not take false gods. We will not follow ungodly leaders. We will not bow down to the calves, God. We will lift up the name of Jesus. We will wave the banner of Jesus Christ across this region, God. And we will declare that we are the holy people of God. And Lord, we declare that when the enemy comes, he can throw us into the fire if he wants to. Because then you will only be fulfilling your prophecy that Jesus will be shown forth. And God, we declare that we will not be seen in the fire, but it will be Jesus seen in the fire. God, right now I pray over everybody with their hands raised that you would purify them. Whatever it is that's compromised, whatever it is that's compromised in their heart, whatever it is that's compromised in their mind, whatever it is that's compromised in their life, whatever it is that they're putting before you, whatever it is, God, that that, that they're doing when they should be praying, whatever it is that they're doing when they should be reading their word, whatever it is that they're doing when they should be paying attention to you, whatever it is that's calling, causing them to pull away from you, whether it's a boy or a girl, a man or a woman, a sin, a nature, a video game, a TV show, a hunting habit, a, 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 a pornography habit, whatever it is, the computer the computer, God, the shopping, whatever it is, we declare God that that thing is broken in the name of Jesus God, we will be a holy people before you we will be holy because you are holy without holiness, no man shall see God Jesus. Wow. Wow. Hallelujah, Jesus. The Lord just spoke to me and he, when I said that, when I quoted that scripture, without holiness, no man shall see God. And he said, apart from holiness, they cannot see me. But we always take that introspectively. Without our holiness, we will not see God. And he is saying that no man can see God if you don't act holy. They can't see God. They can't get to the fourth man in the fire if you don't have holiness in your life. They can never... We always take that as if we don't see God. No man shall see God if they don't have holiness in their life. But God said, without your holiness, the world will never be able to see Jesus. So God, we declare that we'll be a holy people for you. God, whatever it is, as we get ready to go on this prayer and fasting journey, for a week, God, we're going we're gonna to submit ourselves. We're going to consecrate ourselves to a fast and to pray to you. Lord, anything that's not of you, let it be burnt out by the refiner's fire. God, let us... Let us know that we are in your perfect will. Lord, we thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. I want you to know, I I, want to take just a moment and just offer the altars to anyone. We're going to dismiss here in just a moment. But I want to offer the the altar for prayer. Whether you have a, a sickness in your body or you have... Do you have need that?